Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be getting into the details about what clairs are, how they work, how to work with them, and how you can choose to incorporate them into your life. Every human body comes with a full suite of psychic gifts. Think of this like a standard accessories package, which comes with a new car, whether you want it or not. Unless there's something incredibly and immediately useful or fun, you set it aside or ignore it until something causes you to remember and possibly figure them out. Your need for such an accessory can be something you have pre-planned, something which makes sense once you settle into driving this particular car, or something that becomes necessary due to extenuating circumstances. And like all the package deals, some of the items are useful, most are interesting but not very helpful, and some are relatively useless. While people talk about psychic gifts as something you can develop, this doesn't mean they appear out of thin air. They come into being along with the rest of us at the very beginning. The process of becoming embodied is a bit like baking a cake, to be honest. You're mixing wet and dry ingredients in a certain ratio in order to achieve the desired results. If you add in more wet than dry, the cake is rich but dense and heavy. If you have more dry, then the cake can be light and spongy or crumbly and tasteless. Mixing the soul and the body together into a unit creates all the psychic gifts, sometimes referred to as the clairs, but more body means less opportunity for them to activate. This is the most common choice as souls who are embodying on this planet are working to deeply learn and understand themselves without the psychic input of others. Being encased in a body here, where we can fully experience ourselves emotionally as well as spiritually, without harming anyone else, where we can choose with whom and how much we communicate or connect, and where we are encouraged to connect, allows for an accelerated learning and becoming experience. Mixing more soul than body allows the person to retain their psychic abilities. These can then be utilized in a variety of ways at various times and in a multitude of situations. Maturing souls choose this option when they want to practice their boundaries and connection or communication skills. They can be working on lessons around just because you can doesn't mean you should or concerning triggers and holding space with the additional input of being able to feel, see, and be the issues the other person is processing. Souls who have already matured into service work also use this mix in order to have the full suite of skills or even advanced psychic packages at their disposal depending on the purpose for the embodiment. The ratio of soul to body is finely tuned as the soul seeks to achieve specific goals, and so everything about the life is geared to focus them in this direction, including their psychic gifts. This doesn't mean they're guaranteed success, but it gives them a better than average chance. The clairs are the basic package of psychic gifts which everyone comes into being with. As noted, most people not only have no interest in this area and often set up their life to avoid using them. You can think of this like an older car which has an ashtray and a lighter, but the person doesn't smoke, so they have turned the ashtray into a coin holder and punched out the lighter so they can replace it with a USB port. Some people would be able to utilize their gifts, but the life they're living has caused or is causing issues which prevents them from doing so. Just like our regular senses, the body is the means by which we receive and express communication energetically. Most information of this kind is received through the back, from the nape of the neck to the tip of the sacrum. Think of this area like a radar dish. 
Just as it's the superhighway where our nerves insert into the spinal column in order to communicate with our brain, it's also the means by which we sense the energy signals going on around us. Ironically, our back is also the area where we, throughout our lives, push whatever it is we don't want to deal with right now as well as carrying all of our burdens. Whether we're storing trauma, worry, difficulties in relationships, fears about what could be in the future, all of the above or something else entirely, in order to get through each day, we push these things to the back of our minds, get them behind us, move forward and don't look back, and so on. However, they don't go away through any of these processes. Instead, they fill up the backside of us from heels to crown, eventually creating a thick, smoky mass like Beijing smog, which we can barely exist in, let alone see through. What this means is gaining access to our psychic gifts is often less about learning skills or focusing the mind, but instead about dealing with our issues so we can see ourselves and the world around us clearly. Of course, this goes hand in hand within another issue, self-esteem. If we've come to mistrust our own sense of knowing through the dysfunction of our childhoods, gaslighting in relationships, or by missteps taken in our adult endeavors, then it's significantly difficult to trust information and experiences which come to us through psychic means. In these cases, it's wise to remember how we support babies in learning how to walk. We don't hold them back until they have fully prepared themselves, force them to do remedial things until they're absolutely sure they'll succeed the first time and only then allow them to move forward. Instead, we encourage their every attempt whenever they make them applaud all the failures as literal steps in the right direction, comfort them when something is startling or frightening, protect them from harm, and express jubilance once they've achieved the goal. Oh, and then move absolutely everything up to the next higher shelf as their reach just increased by about 12 inches. So, to reiterate, the clairs come with the body so everyone has them. However, some of them are more difficult to work with than others, and some are, well just not very useful. For example, clairgustance. This is the ability to taste something without ever having put it in your mouth. Well, this might be useful at a buffet or maybe a restaurant if you're trying to decide if you want the special or not. It doesn't have a great deal of practical or even spiritual use. Yes, our minds have the ability to add layers of meaning to such an experience, but this is us adding something to it, not the experience giving something to us. Another example is scent. This is the ability to smell something which isn't actually there. The most common way this is experienced is in ceremony. Most traditional and indigenous ceremonial practices are held outdoors or in specially designated areas where herbs and aromatic volatiles are used to cleanse the air prior to the work. This attunes all the senses but also clears the palate, so changes in scent are especially noticeable. Beings who want to make themselves known but not intrude on a ceremony often present as a scent. It's not uncommon to smell celery or potatoes and onions where nothing is cooking. Perfume can waft through the air where there's no breeze to let a loved one know their beloved is thinking of them. Unfortunately, this spiritual scenting is unable to bring us anything other than these moments of association and often leaves more questions behind than others. The most difficult of the clairs is the one most talked about and taught, and that's clairaudience. In general, this is the ability to hear sounds, voices, or noises which emanate from no physical source. 
Most people become interested in it because they want to hear their guides more clearly or wish to work as a medium. It's commonly used as a means to channel beings from the other side or to give psychic readings. This is the most difficult of the clairs to work with for a variety of reasons. The most common is because of our body's natural defenses. As mammals who are not apex predators, our senses are honed to detect sounds which have no visible source, see them as a threat, discover what the source is, then evaluate the threat level and take action if necessary. Even those who achieve a level of proficiency with this skill have moments of jump scare when something happens without warning. Another difficulty is that without a great deal of work, clairaudience is like a radio with no volume control. Once on, it stays on and picks up everything. Changing the channel may not be achievable for the person, and so they're constantly being inundated with information they don't want in inopportune times. A notable example of this was the medium Lisa Williams, who had negotiated with her guides that she would only hear voices when she took her hat off. She was rarely seen without it. If someone is able to create some fluency with clairaudience, then the next challenge is, like with all spiritual communication, to identify who is speaking and why. Spiritual beings, just like humans, come in infinite varieties and with their own agenda. Of all the clairs, the most useful are those utilized by healers, such as clairagency or psychometry. This is the ability to get information from a person or object through touch. People often equate this with the magician's trick of holding an object and then telling the owner about themselves or where the object has been. The actual ability to read physical matter can be a handy skill for helping find lost people if the person is able to connect through the object to the owner in real time. However, this skill is most useful when working directly with another human being. Most empaths avoid casual touching for this very fact, as they can become overwhelmed with information about the other from the slightest of contacts. For a healer, the body can tell more and more complete information than the person's conscious mind, as the body doesn't need to put things into a narrative structure, which might skew meaning or drop out pertinent facts. It also doesn't have any conflicting emotions or judgments concerning the information, and therefore speaks directly in the same manner as most animals. There's also clairsentience. While highly confusing for the initiate, this clair allows a person to feel what the other is feeling physically. Science has discovered the mirror neurons which trigger the physical process, but the information is most often being fed psychically. So if the client is feeling back pain, joint issues, or irritation in their bowels, this can be felt by the practitioner, but it will feel as if the practitioner suddenly has the affliction personally. This may last for only a brief moment as they identify the source, or could last for days if they retain and process it through their own system. Touch healers and medical intuitives often use this as a means of confirming or diagnosing the extent of an issue. It's a way to gather detailed, intimate information which words simply cannot convey. This means of sensing allows for a more nuanced treatment approach and can guide the healer towards alternative healing modalities they may not otherwise have considered in the situation. Then there's Claire Empathy. This is the most common of the Claire's and is the ability to feel what others are feeling without even being in their presence. It shouldn't be confused with the ability to sense the mood or emotional state of those with whom we're closely connected. There is a great deal of information which is imparted to us through cord connections generated through relationships of all kinds. This information informs us when our spouse is having a great or terrible day before we see them, 
lets us know our children are okay even when they're far from us, and tells us when someone is on the other end of the phone even before it rings. Clear empathy, in contrast, is feeling the emotions or emotional state of people we don't know. This can be feeling the feelings of people at the other end of the mall, realizing the person we're seeing on the screen is feeling completely different from what they're portraying, or noting the unexpressed feelings of those we're in proximity to even though they may be doing nothing other than sitting. As a healer, it's not unusual to find the emotions underlying an issue are the root of the matter or lead to it. Knowing what emotions are in play with someone when we're alive in a society which trains people not to express or that only a limited number of emotions are acceptable can be invaluable. However, learning to not feel them personally or to release them once they've been felt is key to living comfortably with this ability. Lastly, there is the much-desired clairvoyance. As we're sighted beings who process our understanding of the world through colors, shapes, and light, being able to see things through the mind's eye provides us with a wealth of possibilities for understanding and navigating the complexities of life. It's also one of the easiest psychic gifts to access because it's something we do automatically. Dreaming and daydreaming are two ways in which we use the mind's eye to visually process large amounts of data in order to extract useful wisdom. Daydreams can tell us our heart's desire more quickly than our heart or our mind, even if they're working in concert. Our daydreams not only tell us what we desire, but all of the components we need to have included and what emotional rewards we want to gain from them. Dreams help us figure out the deeper meaning of things and sort out the irrelevant from the purposeful. Developing clairvoyance is a matter of allowing information outside of us to be gathered through our back, brought up to the third eye, then processed in the same manner as dreams and daydreams. This is the key to guided visualizations, meditations, indigenous healing practices, relationships with totems and other beings, and so on. It can also be handy when working as a healer or intuitive or psychic reader. If a picture paints a thousand words, then a mental picture can provide not only words, but everything associated with the event being described, giving the viewer insights not otherwise available. The only real stumbling block to working with clairvoyance is trust. It's not uncommon for people to receive reams of information, but to discount it as something they made up or as a distraction. They don't trust themselves and therefore don't trust what they see. Acceptance is key in working with this skill. So, as everyone has this full suite of clairs at their disposal, are you ready to take the next step with yours? And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thank you to my patron of honor this week, Jennifer Keen. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can join in patron-only classes, get access to my workshops, See all my other offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.